When you try to set your line up, but you don't know what to do. You can't make your mind up, need someone to turn to. We've got your back, we've got the stats, we'll help you block out all the haters. For fantasy football help, call 25 yards later. Welcome in to week 17 on 25 Yards Later. My name's Nick Luciano. And I'm Elijah Motika. And even though most of the fantasy leagues are over for the year, um, we are still here. Um, and we're going to get into you week 17 championship havers here in a little bit. Um, but first, let's talk about a little bit of our heartbreak over the last week, Elijah. Yeah, it's. Uh, I I knew it would be sad for me, um, because I didn't have any games where I was playing for anything, um, and I happened to, in the league that I care about most, I had already secured the number five finish, and so I wasn't playing for anything, but my team scored a hundred and ninety six points, which was by far the most that I scored all season and the second most that anybody had scored at all for the entire season. And Josh Allen and Alvin Kamara and even a surprise game from Curtis Samuel, they were just all saving it up for this week that I didn't need them. But if I had won in my previous playoff matchup, I would have dominated in the finals. But uh, it is what it is. Sometimes that's how fantasy goes for you. Definitely. I had a single championship game um, that unfortunately I was not able to take care of. It's my first time this year not winning a championship since 2017. So it's it's a hard one for me. Um, And then I had a chance to win back my entry fee in another league. And unfortunately, despite leading most of the game, lost to that one too so yeah it was a rough week but you know sometimes that's just how it goes i can take full Uh, responsibility for that one though yes there was a um very unfortunate incident where mike evans was (laughs) left on my bench so just right there 40 points just staring me in the face while justin jefferson's 14 was it was sitting there since uh, christmas Yep, um, it was a fun weekend watching that uh, unfold. Yeah, so, sometimes we're right, sometimes we're wrong, sometimes it costs you your buy-in. Yep, um, so we're going to start the rest of our show uh, the way we do every week um, with our Touchback Player of the Week. Um, this time the award goes to Will Lutz with nine touchbacks. So yeah, big game from teammate Alvin Kamara and it led directly to his win at this award. Um, congratulations to Mr. Lutz for having the most kicks that made his opponent start their next drive 25 yards later. You kicked it really far, you kicked it with your feet, you're the touchback player of the week. Congratulations! So before we get into the game previews, which we're going to do a little bit differently this week, I want to tell you a story. I like to call it the ghost 
of week 17 past. This is great. So I'm excited. Elijah doesn't remember this story, though I'm sure he will at a, once I start telling it. Um, because he was in this league. I wanted to take you back to 2013. Um, you were probably listening to your new favorite rap album, The Heist by Macklemore, uh, coming while well, you were coming back from watching Frozen or Iron Man 3 or Grown Ups 2 in theaters. Um, so 2013, maybe my third or fourth year playing fantasy football, I assemble the best fantasy football team I have ever had then or since. Um, so there's a couple things you need to know. Um, we, it was a weird formatted league. Um, we'll get into that a little bit, but it was kind of a modified standard scoring. It wasn't PPR. Um, PPR, I think, was just starting to gain traction at that point. Um, and so I want to list some of the uh, players that I had on this team. So um, we have Jamal Charles. Um, who had 1,287 yards rushing and 12 touchdowns, along with 693 yards and seven touchdowns receiving. Um, he would be your running back one on the year. I also had LaShawn McCoy. He had 1,607 rushing, nine touchdowns on the ground, 530 and two touchdowns in the air. He would be your running back two. I had Eddie Lacy, who, like most people would think today, oh, he's stunk. Not this year, where he was the RB6 on the year, um, having uh, 1,178 yards rushing, 11 rushing touchdowns, and another 257 in the air. I had Jimmy Graham, <laughs> who, wow. at, the, at his height as a the tight end one on the year. Um, so 86 catches, 1,215 yards, 16 touchdowns. Um, if he would have been the wide receiver, he would have been the wide receiver four. <laughs> he was... Yeah, that's, uh, that's Kelsey stuff. Yeah, he was 57 points ahead of the next nearest tight end, who was Vernon Davis. <laughs> oh. That's a throwback. Um, at wide receiver, I had, this one will seem a little weird, but I had Cordero Patterson, who, um, Elijah, tell them why that's significant in this particular league format. This, this was a return yardage league. It was not PPR, but you did get yards for every return yard. And so Cordero Patterson, I probably didn't, he caught like 10 passes that year or something, but he averaged a bajillion return yards for some context a return yard was worth the exact same as a receiving or rushing yard so one point per 10 yards cordero patterson had two thousand all-purpose yards <laughs> <laughs> um so for those keeping score i had three top six running backs the best tight end in the league and a wide receiver whose yardage was worth the second most all-purpose yards as far as scoring went i had the first 
second and third uh, um, players in all-purpose yards. Again, each all-purpose yard was worth exactly the same as a rushing or receiving yard. Um, Charles and LaShawn McCoy were the other two that in uh, all-purpose yards that year, as well as filling out a the roster was multiple solid top 25 players at their positions, including Rashad Jennings, Corey Smith, Marcus Colston, and Maurice Jones-Drew. This team was bomb. Um, it led the league in scoring each of weeks 14, 15, and 16, not total each single week. <laughs> That's dominating performances. You might recognize week 14, 15, and 16 as the fantasy playoffs in almost every league format. Hmm. So, if it was a normal week 16 championship, there was a 100% chance that I won that championship five years before I would win my actual first championship. Um... In the playoffs, by the way, um, thinking of massive Alvin Kamara-like performances, um, in week 15, Jamal Charles had eight rushes for 20 yards and a touchdown, plus eight catches for 195 yards and four touchdowns receiving. Whoa! I just obliterated everyone. I... It was just the most incredible run I've ever had in fantasy. And just everyone went off that I've mentioned it during this run. It just without fail. It was just incredible to watch. It was like Alvin Kamara-esque performances by every single player. Um, and then week 17 happened. Yeah, what happened? Um, Jamal Charles didn't play uh, because he was fat, I think, because the Chiefs had nothing to play for. Um, Sean McCoy actually had a good game. I went back and looked. Um, Eddie Lacy scored um, but didn't do much yard yardage-wise. And, yeah, I lost that year despite having, again, the best team I have ever assembled and may ever assemble again. That's a super team. Sounds like it. So was it close at least in week 17? Um, I don't believe it was. Um, I was able to get um, someone that's still in the league to go back and um, screenshot the final roster for me, but um, wasn't able to get him to go back and check out the games. But mm. going back and looking at those players' box scores from those weeks just – magical yeah that's so that that's a great segue into the point that we're still here for you this week if you have a week 17 championship and go talk to your commissioner and make sure that next season you don't need to listen to a fantasy football podcast in week 17 to figure out who to start or unless they change yes the number of weeks in the NFL season, in which case maybe everyone will be having a week 17 playoff or week 17 championship and make sure that you aren't one of those 
folks that has a week 18 championship. Just yeah, don't do you it. Do not. The moral of the story is do not be the person that seven years later is still lamenting the fact that your title game was in the last game of the year and it cost you the title because of it. Yeah, that can't feel good. <laughs> I'm I, still I, mad about it. <laughs> I feel like I had a similar situation in that league in a year that I had Peyton Manning as my quarterback when he threw 55 touchdowns or whatever it was, and he was just going bonkers, and then he didn't play in Week 17, and I lost. Yeah, it was a two-quarterback league at that time, too, so that was another <laughs> fun wrinkle. It was an adventure, Yeah. Um, anyways, um, so like we've kind of teased, um, mostly because, again, there's plenty of teams that really don't have anything to play for this week. Um, we're going to do it a little differently, um, where instead of doing actual team, um, breakdowns, we're going to, or sorry, actual game breakdowns, we're going to to look at the individual teams that do have something to play for. Um, they aren't all of the teams that are, you know, that's the case for, but um, they are ones that we kind of thought were the most interesting. Um, so Elijah is going to start us off by talking about the Packers. Yeah, let's do it. Um, so we've talked about the Packers a good bit. And so this is going to be a lot of rehashing some things that we already know. Um, but the Packers are playing the Bears this week. Both of them have something to play for. Um, the Packers are really, really good. If you watch last week's game, uh, they played a very good Titans team, and the Packers did basically whatever they wanted. Um, even their defense, especially their run defense, has been pretty bad, but it still kept Derrick Henry uh, down to an average game by his standards, um, and the passing game against them didn't do much either. The snow probably had something to do with that, too. And, man, do I just love a good snow game in the NFL. Everything about it is super fun. Uh, the Titans didn't think it was that fun because they got demolished. Um, but the Packers are great. And if they win this game against the Bears, then they secure the number one seed in the NFC and the only buy for the conference now with the new format this year. So they're definitely going to be playing for the whole game here. They also can get the number one seed if the Saints and Seahawks lose. Um, or I think if the Seahawks lose, but the Saints win, they still get the number one seed if they lose as well. Um, but all three of those teams are playing in the same time slot. So none of them are really going to know what the outcome is of the others. So they're going to play for the whole game. Um, so let's go ahead and get right into these Packers here, starting with Aaron Rodgers. Uh, I think he's the MVP, and he's going to be the MVP this year, uh, especially with the fact that Patrick Mahomes is not going to play this week. He uh, is going to leave the last game that he played before the playoffs being that stinker that Mahomes had this past week. Um, and Aaron Rodgers looked amazing against the Titans, uh, effortless with four touchdowns on only 25 attempts. Um, that's just in the snow. I mean, it's, yeah, it, it's ridiculous. Um, so I think that you're definitely starting him here 
The Bears are top 10 against quarterbacks, so it's not a great matchup. But the last time that these two teams played, Rodgers was the quarterback three in fantasy. So I don't think that really matters. Um, and the guy that he's throwing to is also going to be in your starting lineup. Last week, Devontae Adams had 11 receptions, 142 receiving yards, and three touchdowns. Unsurprisingly, that meant that he was the wide receiver one on the week, although Stephon Diggs did his best to outplay him, but he fell just a couple points short, uh, points short there. Um, and here is just a ridiculously wild stat courtesy of uh, Kyle Borgognoni with the Fantasy Footballers. Um, I updated it a little bit to include full PPR, but here we go. If you take away all of the points from Devontae Adams, 109 receptions this season. In half PPR, he drops from the wide receiver one all the way down to the wide receiver three with no points for receptions. And in full PPR, so take away 109 of his points, he drops down to the wide receiver 12, which is just ridiculous in a league where most of this I mean not all of it obviously but a lot of the scoring is about how many catches you get you take away all of his catches and he's still a top 12 wide receiver uh so he's just he's ridiculous uh the Bears are top five against wide receivers but they're not going to be able to stop him nobody can stop him he's out of his mind um that said, as far as the pass catchers go, I don't think that you're going to be able to start the other wide receivers, especially in your Week 17 championship. Adams is definitely the number one option in the passing game, followed by Robert Tunyon and Aaron Jones, and then the other wide receivers get the ball. Um, and like I said, the Bears are good. Their secondary is good. I would not be starting MBS or Lazard in this one. Um, I think that you can, like I just mentioned, you can start Tunyon because um, he's a tight end and he's a good tight end. And last week was his first game without 10 or more fantasy points. Uh, prior, to them, prior to that, he had five straight games of 10 or more fantasy points. Um, and the Bears are also the fifth easiest matchup for tight ends. They're really good everywhere except tight ends. Um, and so they've had some big games from some much less talented tight ends lately. Um, and last week, Tanyan was, or Tanyan, excuse me, was bad, but he did still have a red zone target. Aaron Rodgers threw three of his touchdowns to Devontae Adams. Uh, so it just sort of fell that way. That can happen with any player. Um, so I definitely think that you can start, uh, start big Bob Tanyan this week. Um, Let's get into the running backs here a little bit. So it has been all season Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, with Aaron Jones being the clear, obvious running back, the number one guy, and then Jamal Williams backing him up. And Jamal Williams is hurt. And last week, A.J. Dillon exploded. He had 129 yards and two touchdowns, um, which is, I mean, he's a rookie, this was his first game with more than five fantasy points all season. He's been hurt for most of the season or on the COVID list. Um, so that was a, I mean, 
that was an amazing game. And he looked really, really good carrying the ball, too. Every time he touched it, he just looked good. Um, but I think that that is kind of a mirage for fantasy. Um, he was the backup to Aaron Jones, and Aaron Jones hurt his hip early in the game. And so it was pretty much all A.J. Dillon all the way up until halftime. Um and then Aaron Jones came back in in the second half and went ahead and ran for 108 yards, pretty much all of it in the second half. So I'm definitely not chasing the points with A.J. Dillon. I think he's a popular guy right now because of the performance that he just had. Um, but the Bears are top 10 against the run, and I don't think you really want to chase the points with A.J. Dillon. Uh, but I do think that you can keep rolling with Aaron Jones uh, he did hurt his hip, but then he came back in the game and played really well, and it looks like he's on track to play again this week. Um, and, yeah, he has over 1,000 yards on the season. We've talked about him before. He's really good. Obviously, if for some reason he and Jamal Williams don't play, then A.J. Dillon is a smash start, even against this tough Bears defense. Um, but I think if both guys are there, then all you want is Aaron Jones. Um and that's it for the Packers. That's pretty much their folks. You're starting the ones that you know you're starting and don't start the rest of them that are on the fringe because you can't really trust them in the championship. We'll say that on the running back side of things, um, last week the Bears gave up double-digit um, points in PPR to Daria Gumbawale. Um, a player that I think we both agree is much less talented than either Aaron Jones or A.J. Dillon. So, um, yeah, I think that there are potentially running back points um, to go around here. Um, I did uh, think that I have to take an L last week. I think that A.J. Dillon came up and um, – I had mentioned that even with Jamal Williams going out, he had only gotten a small handful of carries. Um, and obviously watching uh, those numbers roll in uh, the other night was uh, a big oops. Um, yeah. Unique circumstances though, I think. Uh, nobody expected Aaron Jones to play barely to start and then it's all A.J. Dillon but he looked great with the touches I mean we hadn't really gotten to see him much this year because he was third on the depth chart and he had been out of the lineup for a while but he looked really surprisingly good he's a big dude I suspect that I because I'm not 100% sure about Aaron Jones's contract situation but I want to say he's a free, free agent, agent yeah. After this year, so. yeah I have to imagine that AJ Dillon will be the lead guy next year. Um, He'll be more involved. I I would speculate probably that they keep Aaron Jones because he's such a better pass catcher. He's such a dynamic part of their offense there. But I, definitely they're not going to keep Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones. So AJ Dillon is going to have more of a path next season than he does this year. If they don't keep either of them, then yeah, he's going to be an absolute monster. Yeah, a easy, potentially top uh, first round pick. So if that's the case, um, I wanted to go back just to share, shed some more adoration on Devonte Adams for a second. I, the, maybe the most incredible thing about his run is that he missed like two and a half games. Yeah. Um, 
I really think that I think he has 17 touchdowns right now. I really think that he would have challenged um, Randy Moss's receiving touchdown record if um, he hadn't have missed those games. Um, I mean, theoretically, he could tie it this week, but he would need a Alvin Kamara to to do so. But you know, yeah, other two and a half games on to him and that number is very much in reach yeah he's got yeah just like you said he has uh 17 right now i mean he could like alvin Kamara leads the league in touchdowns now with 21 so you know well as we said the receiving one obviously our Kamara is still quite a bit away from uh ladanian tomlinson but yeah, um, certainly yeah the receiving record i think he would have had a real shot. It's one of the best receiving seasons I think we've ever seen. Um, all right. So we're actually going to move on to the next uh, matchup, which is the flip side of uh, this game, um, which is the Chicago Bears. So they're eight and seven. Um, they are winning in. So uh, they do have some scenarios where if they lose, they uh, could still make it. But um, definitely just want to take care of business if possible. Um, so kind of surprisingly, Mitchell Trubisky has played a better in his return to the starting lineup, um, and he's brought the Bears along with him. Uh, they were kind of dead in the water. I think that I heard that no team had ever made the playoffs with a six-game losing streak, um, which they could potentially do. Wow. Um, so I'm not ready to declare Trubisky a legitimate quarterback one, like I saw in Roto World today. But um, at the same time, like he's the quarterback nine since week 12. Um, Elijah has already talked about the Packers and their weapons and how they have to play uh, um, in this game as well. Um, so for the Bears to pull this off, I think they're going to have to pass. Um, the Packers defense is um not really what you want in a quarterback matchup but i think that there's still an opportunity here um for trubisky to potentially be uh, like a back-end quarterback one um david montgomery is our next player uh, and he's been an absolute monster for a month and a half um and i've got a trivia question for elijah do you or can you name the running backs with more points than David Montgomery since week 12? So on one of the guys I'm going to talk about later, I did a little bit of research with this. So I'm going to go with I think it's probably a trick question and the answer is nobody. Um but for the sake of it I'll say it's Derrick Henry and nobody else. It is nobody. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's and that, what I thought. <laughs> I was surprised because I thought you were going to say Kamara too, but even Alvin Kamara, and the, I looked, this is across all scoring formats. This is standard PPR and, and half PPR. The wow. running back one since week 12 is David Montgomery. Um, he, to me, is an absolute smash start against the Packers team that is one of the best five best matchups 
uh, for running backs. Definitely. Um, and has already given him 9.4 yards a carry earlier this Ooh. year. So, yeah, I uh, David Montgomery is a, an absolute smash start. He's going to have to have a big game as Will Trubisky, although things are definitely set up more for him to have a big game. Um, yeah, really quick, just pack- looking looking at these numbers, David Montgomery has been top has finished top eight every single week since week twelve, and he scored more than twenty fantasy points in PPR all of those weeks. That's like what a I mean he's been decent the rest of the season, but he was a a middle back end running back too mm. at best and he had some weeks that he was outside the top 30 uh outside the top 40 um but yeah this has just been it was really it was the last time that he played the packers was when this run started that was week 12 he was the rb6 that was pretty good yeah i mean all you have to know is that a running back scored six touchdowns in a game (laughs) (laughs) and he's still out during that stretch and he's still outscored them. Yeah. That's pretty great. Yes. Um, So moving on to the wide receivers, it's a much tougher matchup um, for the wide receivers than it is for the running backs. Um, But I'm still not hesitating to start Allen Robinson. Um, He scored twice when they played earlier this year. Um, and has just been nothing short of stellar. Um, he's an absolute target monster. Um, in my mind, he's a top five PPR option, uh, regardless of the opponent, and especially in one where they're going to have a positive game script that'll have to, or they'll have to, you know, pass the ball frequently. I'm, um, I'm a little nervous. I mean, he he was shadowed by Jair Alexander last time they played and I mean, just beat up on him. I mean, it was eight receptions, 74 yards, two touchdowns. Um, but Jair Alexander is great. And so, I mean, maybe it's one of those scenarios like we see with other great wide receivers that there are some corners that they just, some great corners that they just have a really good matchup against and can dominate them. And maybe that is Allen Robinson against Jair Alexander. Um, But like Jair Alexander is really excellent. And uh, I mean, last week, Corey Davis goosed facing off against Jair Alexander for a lot of that game. So uh, it just, I, I think I agree with you. I don't think I'm going top five, uh, in this matchup. I, you definitely are starting him, but I don't know. It just makes me nervous. Jerry Alexander's so good. In all fairness to, uh, Corey Davis, um, who's had a very nice year and has taken a very big step forward. Um, Corey Davis goosing is not quite as surprising uh, to me as, Allen Robinson having a bad game. Well, yeah, he um, he's no Allen Robinson. We will agree there. And Jair Alexander is just really good. Um, so we talked about how Trubisky could have a good game. Um, and I, I think to do that, they're going to probably have to pass to someone other than Allen Robinson. Um, 
That said, there are other receivers at least are not much more of a are more than a desperation flex or DFS start throws. Um, if you have to choose between Darnell Moody, Mooney and Anthony Miller, um, the pendulum has seemed to have swung to Mooney, um, who has scored in two of the last three and has six or more opportunities in four or five games where Miller hasn't scored since week three and has three games under three opportunities. Um, Mooney hasn't played in less than 74% of snaps since week six, while Miller has reached that number only once this year, um, back in week eight. Um, I'm not rushing out to start either player, um, but Mooney is there if you need him in, you know, one of those kind of emergency situations. Um, and again, what I'm expecting to be a pass heavy, uh, game script, um, or at least a faster paced game script. Um, I think either tight end is startable in the, you know, kind of tight end wasteland that we deal with and complain about every week. Um, Jimmy Graham, uh, has, just as good of an opportunity to score a touchdown as anyone in the league. And Cole Komet has had seven or more opportunities in three of the last four games. Um, in this case, I'm actually going to go with the touchdown potential over the targets because um, Komet really hasn't done that much with all that opportunity. Um, so I view Jimmy Graham as kind of a back end tight end one, um, Komet as more of a mid to low tight end two um but you know if you're wanting to take a shot or need them uh he's there so um it's telling to me that someone that has 23 combined targets and touches the last four weeks like Komet has um for only 105 total yards total over those (laughs) four weeks is a top 15 or 20 option in his position so that's uh just again another thing reflecting the state of the tight end position um did you have any other thoughts on this game elijah not really i i think it should be a good game and they are it's one of the few games this week where both teams have something to play for so if nothing else that's gonna make it a good game and it's also you know a super old super contentious rivalry um, so that should make it fun here too. Um, but I think that covers it for all of those players. I expect the Packers to win, but I expect it to be a pretty tight fought game. I expect it to be a, a, a really good game here with hopefully lots of fantasy points to be had. Yeah, hopefully that's the case. Um, so we're going to move on to our third team. Elijah's going to talk about the Colts. Yeah, let's do it. Um, the Colts are ten and five, and they're playing the one and fourteen Jaguars. Um, the Jaguars let the Bears put up forty-one points on them last week, um, so I'm gonna target a bad defense here, playing against a team that needs to win to have a chance at the playoffs. Uh, the Colts need to win and have the Titans lose, so. I expect them to control the part of their destiny that they can, uh, which is beating the Jaguars. And surprisingly, the Jaguars' only win of the season 
actually came against the Colts the first time that they played, but that was all the way back in week one. And so I don't exactly expect that to happen again this week. Um, to pull off uh, 2001 Panthers, which is win week one and then lose your entire rest of your season. It's really a good place to be. I'm sure that Jags fans out there feel awesome about it. Probably they feel better than Jets fans today. Um, so at least they have that. Um, but yeah, this week I think you can start most everybody on the Colts. Um, Philip Rivers is somebody that you haven't started most of the season, but I think he's a solid week 17 streamer for folks that had Mahomes or Big Ben or Stafford, uh, or Jared Goff, or, you know, one of the many quarterbacks, uh, that are sitting down in week 17 that you've been playing. Uh, Rivers doesn't have a lot of upside. Uh, he's finished outside the top 12 quarterbacks for the last four weeks. But with so many of those regularly starting quarterbacks out this week, I expect that he'll do well enough to get into that top 12. Um, and the Jags are the third easiest matchup for quarterbacks. So I doubt that uh, Phillip Rivers is going to have a terrible game here. Um, I think he has a decent floor and not too much upside, but he'll get you a solid start when you probably have a team if you're in the championship with decent pieces and you just need somebody not to sink your week here, uh, you could definitely do worse than Phillip Rivers. Um, someone where I don't know if you can do a whole lot better than is going to be Jonathan Taylor. Uh, he is an absolute smash start, lock it in. He is top 10, top five guy this week. Jacksonville is the third easiest matchup for running backs. And, Jonathan Taylor has had at least 95 rushing yards or two touchdowns for four weeks in a row, um, which is a, a kind of weird way to put it, but here's another way to put it. He hasn't had less than 19 PPR points and is the running back three behind Kamara and the aforementioned David Montgomery over the course of the last four weeks. Um, so put him in your lineups in your championship game, start him in DFS at a good price, He's going to win you this title, and uh, he's just going to be really great. I don't think there's any any question about that. I'm super confident in that one. Um, Still uh, very reasonably priced in Yahoo, for example. I think only like $29. Yeah, that's, that's solid. So definitely uh, a running back piece to build a lineup around in DFS if you wanted to head that direction. Um, and then... The pass catchers here, let's talk a little bit about them. I think just getting it right out of the way, uh, don't start the tight ends. Like we mentioned last week, I think there are too many of them for them to be productive. If they were just one guy, then it'd be great. But there are three, and none of them are going to get enough opportunities to make that happen. Um, but the Three wide... splitting eight targets last week was the stat. Yeah. yeah. That's uh that's not good enough, uh, even in the tight end tight end wasteland, um, but the other pass catchers here and the wide receivers are actually a little bit more interesting, um, so Zach Pascal has been pretty unusable for the entire season, and then the last two weeks happened and he's been awesome, 
Um, his snap share out of nowhere has jumped up over 90% for the last two weeks, and he was around the 70% snap share mark for most of the season. And he has six targets in both of these games, and he's turned those targets into the wide receiver five and the wide receiver 22, which is just bonkers, and he's catching touchdowns too. Um, Jacksonville's a little bit better against the pass than they are against the run, um, but they're still the eighth easiest matchup for wide receivers. Um, and so I actually think they're running about the same amount of routes ultimately, but I think I like Zach Pascal better than T.Y. Hilton here as a wide receiver two or a flex if you need a wide receiver streamer. He's almost certainly on waivers because he's sort of come out of nowhere. Um, so if you need him, I think you can start him. Um, and on T.Y. Hilton, I don't think that you can trust him. I think it's flipped. He had those two top six performances a few weeks ago, and then for the last two weeks, he's been outside the top 40. Um, so I don't think you can trust him, and maybe it's recency bias. Uh, this is, like we just talked about, a good matchup. He's seeing about the same target share as Zach Pascal, um, but he's not doing as much with it, and he isn't getting the red zone looks that Pascal's getting. Um, and he's not on the field as much. He's on the field for about 70% of the snaps. Um, so I think you can start him as well if you need to. But if you if I had to pick between the two, I think I'm going Pascal. Um, and then the last note that I have for the Colts here is that their defense is going to crush. I mean, it's, they have been somebody that you're starting often in the season because they they started out the season as a great defense but then they cooled off so i doubt that they're still on waivers but if for some circumstance they are in a lot of week 17 leagues the waiver wire isn't necessarily as active um so you can pick them up and they will be quite possibly the number one defense on the week uh the head coach for the jags doug marone said that mike glennon is going to be the starting quarterback for them this week uh the jags are a bad team they are a bad offense. They have nothing to play for. Uh, Glennon is a bad quarterback. The Colts are a good defense, and they're also playing at home. So it's going to be a beatdown. Um, so maybe that's a bad game script for the pass catchers. I still think you have the floor for all of them, and I think Jonathan Taylor is going to be great. Um, but I expect the Colts defense to really just not let the Jags do much of anything in this one. We could very easily see it be kind of like what the Buccaneers and Lions was last week, where even if they jump out to a massive lead in the first half, it's on the back of, you know, those receiving options. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, it's definitely possible that um, even if they, uh, they jump out to a big lead and it doesn't end up being a very um, receiver-friendly game script later in the game. Um, you know, maybe it is because Zach Pascal and T.Y. Hilton caught a couple bomb touchdowns and put them up 35-3 to three or very right. quickly. So, um, which even giving three points at halftime to the Jags offense is very optimistic, I think. <laughs> Yeah, that would be um, embarrassing. The Colts wouldn't feel very good about themselves. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Uh, um, our next 
game is going to be uh, the Dallas Cowboys at six and nine. So um, they're taking on the five and 10 Giants. Uh, we're going to focus on the Cowboys here. Um, even though if Washington loses, the winner of this game could be or would be the NFC East champion. Um, so even though the Giants have a chance, they have much uh, fewer fantasy relevant options so we're just kind of going to ignore them here i will say Um, before we dive right into that just a little giants plug sterling shepherd you know we talked about him a few weeks ago he was a sleeper for me he gets consistent floor of targets and last week he had a really good week i think that could happen again here um against the cowboys who don't have that great of a secondary so that's my just little plug for the giants before we get into the cowboys yeah, the Cowboys' defense is pretty terrible. So, you know, yeah. it's certainly possible that these Giants' options are, you know, a thing. But I'm not quite as interested in them as the juiciness that is the Cowboys. Um, so we're going to start off with Ezekiel Elliott, Elliot, who um, definitely hasn't been the player you drafted him to be. Um, He's more been a Ezekiel Elliott than an Ezekiel (laughs) Elliott for sure. Um, So he has 18 fewer rushing yards per game than his next lowest season in his career. Um, He could potentially end up with fewer yards rushing than he had in 2017, where he only played in 10 games. Um, and he's only had two 100-yard rushing games compared with five um, as his next lowest. And this brings us to a surprise game that Elijah's just finding Ooh. out about now. <laughs> I'm thrilled. Let's do it. I love these. All right. So Zeke set his season high this uh, last week with 105 rushing yards. I'm going to give you a player and you're going to tell me yes or no whether they have multiple games with more than 105 rushing yards. Okay. So there's some added juiciness because some of these players had 100 rushing yards but didn't make it to 105. Mm, um, so it's an easy game. Oh, yeah. There are layers <laughs> upon layers because sometimes they did it multiple times but didn't re- or had multiple 100-yard games, but didn't have 105. So, yes, I am excited about this one. Um, so our first player is Jeff Wilson Jr. Yes or no, multiple games, more than 105 yards rushing. Well, I know last week he had one. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I'll say yes. Correct. So, yeah, he had 112 in week seven and 183 last week. Yeah, that was a good game. Our second player is Melvin Gordon. Uh, Also, yes. Correct. He just squeaked by in week four. He had 107. And in week 13, he had 131. But those are his only two games with 100 yards rushing this year. Wow. Our next. Our next one is David Montgomery, yes or no? Definitely. Correct. Yeah, so two with 105 yards and three total with over 100. David Johnson. 
Ooh, this is just rushing yards. Just rushing yards. I'm gonna say no. Correct. So he had 128 last week, which was his first game with 100 yards uh, rushing this year. Jonathan Taylor is our next one. I'm also going to say no because he was bad for a while. Correct. So he had um, what, one week he had 101. So he's one of those <laughs> players that uh, had multiple 100-yard games but not multiple 105-yard games. Um, and then he had in week 14 150. So <laughs> he did all right. Yep. Um, our next one is Damian Harris. Uh, yes, he has. So, Damian Harris is fun because it's no. He is the only player that I found that had three 100-yard games but didn't have multiple 105-yard games. Oh, man. Um, he had 100 in week four, 102 in week eight, and then 121 in week 10. Ugh. Damn. So our next player is Lamar Jackson. <laughs> um, let's go with no. Uh, Lamar actually does. He oh, had 108 geez. in week six and then 124 in week 14. I am slipping uh, here. I think you'll get this one. All other Ravens running backs combined. <laughs> let's go with no. Correct. <laughs> um, so J.K. Dobbins had 113 in week eight, but Gus Edwards only had 101 in week 13. Man. And now our final uh, player, Alvin Kamara. Oh, yeah, he does not. Correct. So That's just he this had, past game. Yeah, he had his first 100-yard rushing game of the year this past week with 155. Yeah, that's uh, and that's the most rushing yards that he's had ever in his career. I'm pretty sure. So, so. that was our that was our very weirdly specific Ezekiel <laughs> Elliott game. That's great. Um, I'm not sure what that game was meant to prove, other than me surprising Elijah with the game. Yeah, um, and me doing. I I think again two weeks in a row pretty successful uh game answering here i i had a couple down answers there but i think that was pretty good yeah um so yeah we um maybe the only takeaway here is that with zeke you didn't really get what you wanted when you drafted him in like the top five um it's hard to say that he was even really though the same player with Dak which is weird because when we think about how that offense was clicking at that point um, he averaged only 72.8 rushing yards a game in uh, the games that Dak started um, but he at least had touchdowns and passing work during that time um, and both of which have pretty much evaporated since then yeah um, he has he has zero rushing touchdowns and one receiving touchdown in games that Dak didn't start. And um, after he had 10 targets in Dalton's first start, um, he 
um, had only 25 uh, targets in the eight games since then compared to 42 in the first six games. Um, so I don't really think he's necessarily a player you can trust this week, but if you are in the championship game with Zeke, I think that your expectations have been already altered weeks ago. Um, and so, you know, you are maybe less concerned about starting him as an auto start as you were when you drafted him. Um, as for Tony Pollard, I don't really think he's an option with a healthy Zeke. He's um, much too inconsistent uh, workload and you're depending too much on him breaking off a big run. Yeah, I I had Zeke in two-thirds of my leagues this year, um, and I traded him away as quickly as I could once things started to go bad. We actually had quite the conversation about uh, <laughs> about Zeke, and you were convinced that you wanted your friend to trade away Devontae Adams to get Zeke. Yeah. And... Uh, bad call that was that was process over results you know you'd think that zeke is going to dominate but yeah this year he has just i mean we have so many years of him being so great and this year it is not going that way um so yeah i think most people are thinking of him as a running back two or flex mm -hmm. as opposed to that lock it in top 10 guy i i still think he's startable but he's definitely you know, you're hoping for 12 points instead of the 25 that you were yeah. hoping for before. Yeah, for sure. He's definitely not someone that I'm expecting to get 25. Like, yeah, definitely more in that RB2 flex range. Um, and it's tough because it is a plus matchup for him. Uh, the Giants, despite having a stout defense, are, have given up points to running backs. Um, and but So it is hard, but, you know, He's scored a single touchdown total in like, you know, two months. Yeah, um, that's not the, good. The targets have dropped in half almost. It's, you know, not what you want from a potentially dominant player. Um, so conversely, uh, Andy Dalton has a tough matchup, um, but I think he has some streamer upside. Um, he has multiple touchdown passes in five of the last six games um, since he came back from injury, and he's the quarterback 11 during that time. Um, he has the weapons to produce, and he has been producing, so I definitely think that he could be a top 10 option this week. Um, yeah, he could. That's my guy. I I'm so stoked that Andy has uh, had some success since leaving the Bengals. Um, he, uh, hasn't been great, but he's been solid. Well, I think, I don't know if I've said it on this podcast, but I've said it off there uh, several times. The second that Dak went down, Andy Dalton became the best quarterback in the NFC East. And it's been a rough go, but he's, I, you know, I think that there's a reason why, after starting so terribly, the Cowboys have kind of slowly risen towards the top. I still think an Alex Smith-led 
uh, Washington team is the best team in that division. Um, but, you know, I think that his steady hand has been able to guide them and take advantage of most of the good weapons that the Cowboys have. Minus, yeah, absolutely. minus poor Zeke. Yep. Um, so as for those weapons, um, here's a nugget that I found on Roto World. So Andy Dalton has targeted the Cowboys' top three receivers almost evenly this season. Um, Amari Cooper has a slight edge over Dalton under center, um, drawing 56 targets. Uh, uh, Michael Gallup, meanwhile, has 53 targets, and CeeDee Lamb has 54. Uh, Dalton's adjusted yards per attempt uh, when targeting Cooper and Gallup are almost identical. Um, so it was a little weird because with Dak, all three receiving options weren't necessarily always relevant. Um, it would usually be like one or two of them going off at a time. Um, yeah, Gallup was not very useful. I had him to start the season and it was... I, I wasn't starting in most weeks, and when I was, it was very disappointing. I looked, he did have one massive game with uh, Dak, but yeah, the other ones were very disappointing. I must not have started him in that <laughs> game. <laughs> I mean, given, I'll pull up his stat line here again, but given the production that he had um, uh, in the weeks prior, it was not, it surprised me if you didn't start him. Um, yeah, and he has uh, he's been pretty good lately, I yeah, think, right? Yeah, he has been. Um, I, I don't have the exact number in front of me, but I think he's been a top 10 option um, as far as scoring has gone. Um, so, yeah, he had yes. um, week one, three for 50. Week two, two for 58. Week three, six for 138 and one. Week four, yep, week four, two for twenty nine. Um, so yeah, he. Uh, I yeah, my I, guess is I that I think I started was... him. Uh, I think I started him week two and four, probably. <laughs> probably looking to chase that magical six for one thirty eight. Um, yep. Uh, against the Seahawks, which makes sense. That tracks. Um, yep. So yeah, he's weirdly made all three of them relevant, which Dak wasn't able to do. Um, I think that if Bradbury shadows Amari Cooper, um, it'll open up some opportunities for the other two wide receivers. Um, as far as how I consider them, um, I think that uh, Cooper, I'm still thinking as like a top end wide receiver too. Gallup's more of a back end wide receiver too. And uh, Lamb as a top-end wide receiver three. So grouped fairly closely together, um, all usable as a wide receiver three or flex at worst. Um, it just kind of matters who gets the, you know, gets the touchdown and who pops off the big play as far as who will end up having the best day. Yeah, that makes sense. Definitely all of them startable, though, I think. Uh as a minimum of a flex in the fantasy championship. And one of them may be on, uh, obviously Amari Cooper's not, but one of the others may be on waivers after they've been sort of up and down. Um, let's go ahead and get into this next team here. 
Um, we've got the Titans that are playing against the Texans. So another divisional matchup here. Um, and again, just like earlier, I'm targeting a good offense playing against a bad defense. And if you noticed what happened to the Texans last week, you know that their defense is miserable. Uh, they let my Bengals and Brandon Allen put up 37 points. Uh, and J.J. Watt gave a very inspiring speech in his post-game press conference. But they still have the players that they have. So even if they play a little harder, it's not going to matter. Um, because if Tennessee wins, then they get into the playoffs. And they know it. And so I think that you can probably expect the Titans to give it their all this week. And they're a high-quality offense. Um, this past week, you know, when we talked about the Packers, we said that the Titans had not done very well in that game, but I think that you can throw out last week completely as far as the Titans go. They looked really bothered by the weather, um, and the Packers are a much better, uh, team overall, and they played much better defense than I expect the Texans to play. Um, and most of their pieces still ended up being okay, but just had down games from what they usually do. Um, so Ryan Tannehill, I think is a great start this week against the Texans. Um, he's bounced back and forth between 30 plus fantasy points or less than 20 fantasy points for the last four weeks. Uh, so if we go by that goofy trend, then this week is supposed to be a 30 plus fantasy point game. Um, but let's not go by that goofy trend. Uh, let's look at some actual numbers here that have some sort of predictability to them. Uh, he's the quarterback three over those last four weeks with his big games being really big. And the Texans are the worst defense in fantasy over that same span of four weeks. Uh, the Texans have also allowed at least two passing touchdowns to every quarterback that they've played in those four weeks. And top 10 uh, quarterback finishes to Brandon Allen and Mitch Trubisky. Uh, and famous. Future Hall of Famers, absolutely. I mean, like we said, Trubisky has played a little better, but Brandon Allen is not good. Um, and uh, yeah, so Tannehill is better than both of them by a lot, and the Titans are better than those offenses as well. So he is a smash play in this matchup. Um, another guy that is a smash play is Derrick Henry. Um, he's coming off a down game by his standards against the Packers, um, but he still ended up putting up 98 rushing yards, which is a pretty solid game. Um, over the last six weeks, uh, he's the running back one. You know, we had our David Montgomery stat that over the last five weeks, he's the running back one. So depends on where you pick your stats, but he is, he's had great games with only two down games. Um, only two games outside of the top eight in that six week span. One of them was that passing frenzy against Cleveland. And then last week's snowball. Uh, where he just had 98 rushing yards, no touchdowns. And, I mean, almost 100 rushing yards is a, still a really solid game. Uh, he just didn't get in the end zone, which really affects his fantasy finish. Um, so he's now fallen off the pace to break the single-season rushing record, which uh, some folks thought that he was going to do, but he's now like 400 yards short which I definitely don't expect him to get in one game. Uh, but I expect him to try his darndest against the Texans. Uh, they are the worst against the run. And last week, they let 
uh, Samaj P. Ryan and Giovanni Bernard combined for 267 total yards at the running back position for my Bengals, who I love so dearly, but they are not good. Derrick Henry is... Uh, you put Giovanni Bernard and Samaj P. Ryan together, and they are still not as good a running back as Derrick Henry. So he could go for 300 yards. He could push for that record against uh, the Texans here. Um, so the last couple players that I want to talk about are these wide receivers here. And I think that uh, you can start both of them. Corey Davis, like I mentioned earlier, he's coming off a goose against Jair Alexander, but that was against Jair Alexander. And this week he's playing against basically invisible men. Uh, that it, The Texans are just so bad against the pass. Uh, last week against Jair Alexander, it was snowing the whole game. It's tough to trust a guy that's coming off of a zero-point finish. Um, but I think that you can put him in your lineup this week. And the same goes for A.J. Brown, who also had a down game last week. Um, just throw that game away and throw A.J. Brown right into your lineups. Yeah. Um, as I'm going back, and this doesn't have anything to do with the game we're talking about, but Samaj P. Ryan and Giovanni Bernard as um, someone that started Giovanni Bernard in a game that... Um, Giovanni Bernard didn't cost me for sure, but um, watching Samaje P. Ryan in the little game cast on ESPN uh, as a top performer with his like hundred yards and two touchdowns and knowing that I needed so much to, <laughs> to hold on um, that I did not end up getting was definitely painful. Yeah, um, if, if you put those two together though, then it's Derrick Henry. And so... I think you'd get it this week if you had Derrick Henry. Man, that would have been nice. I wish fantasy was <laughs> like that. Um, I had A.J. Brown in that lineup, too, and um, I think I needed him to be within six points of Devontae Adams, and uh, it was quite, quite clear very quickly that that was <laughs> not going to be the case. Yeah, you um, add Corey Davis and A.J. Brown together, and they're still not Devontae Adams either, and that's just the way that it goes. Well, last week, you had uh, Corey Davis and A.J. Brown together, and they were A.J. Brown. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's going to be different this week, though. I expect them to play well. Hi, hello. So you might be wondering, whoa, what's Nick doing here? I was just listening to Nick, and now he's talking at me in the third person. So, um... We recorded this section, and I was very excited to uh, talk up the Miami Dolphins. Um, we recorded this on Wednesday night, and it came out Thursday that Ryan Fitzpatrick had coronavirus. So, fortunately, we are probably going to uh, have to disregard most of what I say in this section. Um, Miles Gaskin's still an RB1 in my eyes, but um, let's drop. Gasicki down to uh, like a high end tight end two, um, and unfortunately, I, uh, my deep sleeper Mac Hollins I don't think is going to be playable. Unfortunately, um, very disappointed that I will have to cede this argument to Elijah this week. All right, so here's the rest of our Dolphins talk. Um, so the last team we're going to talk about today are the Miami Dolphins. Um, and there's 
actually been no bigger disagreement behind the scenes the last two weeks than the fantasy relevance of the Miami Dolphins. I just don't want to talk about them. I just... <laughs> Um, I kind of snuck them into the speed round last week, um, saying that the Dolphins were uh, relevant as far as the running backs, um, whoever was healthy between uh, Miles Gaskin um, and whoever. And Ahmed. Ahmed, yeah. Um, it's only been a week and he's already gone. <laughs> <laughs> he's already out of the memory. Um and that I felt that Tua was streamable um, and was willing to take a chance on some of the peripheral uh, receiving options. So we were both kind of right. Um, <laughs> Miles Gaskin was the running back two last week, um, but Tua didn't really do much. Um, although he did have a touchdown and chipped in like maybe 10 rushing yards. Um, he was the quarterback 32 on the week. Yeah, not great. Um <laughs> Uh, the other receiving options didn't do much, though. Um, Miles Gaskin was hogging most of the uh, rece- or the touchdown work. Um, so, you know, it, they had lines where if one of them got a touchdown, it looks more respectable. Um, but while Tua didn't have a good week, Ryan Fitzpatrick came in and did. Um, so... I think it's very possible that Fitzpatrick could come into this week too. Like, you know, the bills are not in really playing for anything, but I think it's expected that they'll start um, play their starters for at least a little bit. Um, they do have a little bit of seeding to still play for. Um, although most people don't think it's enough to keep them in for the whole game, but the way the Bills are playing, you know, it's definitely possible that the Dolphins could fall behind and need to come back with Fitzpatrick. Um, the Dolphins are winning their end situation. So I think that just that fact alone raises the um, chance of, you know, good games from the remaining receiving options. Um because the Bills' defense really isn't that great. Um, yeah, they're not. You know, even if they do start everyone. Um, so, for Tua, I don't think I would even really start him in a two-quarterback league this week. Um, I think there's too much of a chance that he could get pulled, um, if, you know, in favor of Fitzpatrick. Um, but Gaskin is, uh, you know, someone that I think that, is a running back one option. Um, Mike Gesicki, I think, is a top five or six tight end option. Not saying much, but, you know, um, the chance, again, of Fitzpatrick coming in really raises his profile. Um, Devontae Parker might come back this week, um, but I don't think I'm going to play him coming off of a hamstring injury if he does. Um, Just the nature of hamstring injuries of not great and the track record of players coming back and producing on the first week back from them is not great. Um, I thought about uh, waxing poetic about Jakeem Grant a little bit in this space <laughs> um, who had an, uh, was one of those players that in PPR, if he would have gotten a touchdown um, would have had a nice line, but um, 
Unfortunately, he has a high ankle sprain because um, I, I would have been kind of interested um, at least looking his way in DFS. Um, but now the Dolphins really don't have that many other receiving options. So my really deep sleeper this week is Matt Collins, um, who's like six foot four. Um, he got an end zone target last week, um, 16 targets over the last three weeks. Um, he's really big. And if you're, you know, I don't know, 16 team league, go for it. <laughs> Um, so yeah, that's, um, my thoughts on the Dolphins. Did you have, I know you're not excited to talk about them, Elijah. Did you have any thoughts about them? Well, I, I totally agree with you that Miles Gaskin is a phenomenal play this week. Um, and he was last week and the starting running back for these Dolphins has been like a top 10 play for a while now. Um, but that's really where I think it ends. I, I expect that Matt Collins will probably go the same way that my discussion of little Jordan Humphrey went, which was he's a really big guy. He could get targets. They don't really have any other healthy wide receivers. And little Jordan Humphrey didn't catch a pass. Um, they also got some other folks healthy. So I'm going to defend myself a little bit on that one. But I expect that Matt Collins will probably go that same way. Um if Fitzpatrick comes in, then everything changes. And uh, I think that Devontae Parker can have a good game. Those receiving options can have a good game. I mean, Ryan Fitzpatrick came in at the pretty much the end of the game, just the last few drives, and had more passing yards than Tua did for the whole game. And like so... Double. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so if Ryan Fitzpatrick is playing, then I think that the Dolphins get a lot more interesting, but unfortunately you just don't know that going into it. Um, so yeah, you can throw uh, Devontae Parker or Mike Holland or Mac Hollins or Gasecki in a DFS lineup if you want. Um, but beyond Gaskin, I don't really think that there's, I don't think the juice is worth the squeeze. I think that if the Bills play their starters for even a half, there's a 75% chance of Fitzpatrick coming in. Yeah, I'm with um, you. And it just elevates the odds of, uh, you know, Gasicki and all these other options getting work. So, um, yeah, it, it's not um, maybe necessarily the – I wish that there were better receiving options. Um, you know, that we weren't talking about Mac Hollins, like even Jakeem Grant, I think is definitely a tier or two above Hollins. But yeah, um, yeah I, I think there's, there's something that could happen. Um, but, Fair enough. Yeah. Um, I contend that the Dolphins could be, could do some things. And if the, Bills do rest their starters. The Dolphins' defense and special teams takes just another step forward um, yeah. as far as a top five unit. So I agree. I think they're a good team. I just don't think that they're all that great for fantasy. Um, I think next year we'll probably see a lot more of them for fantasy. Um, and I love what Miles Gaskin has done. He's just, when he's played, he has been amazing. Yes, for sure. Um, so yeah, we're going to wrap up now with our speed round. All right. So uh, Malcolm Brown is the only healthy running back for the Rams. Oh, wait, 
Sean McVay said that Cam Akers is making great progress, but his status for Sunday's game is still uncertain. If it is just Malcolm Brown, I think you can start him in that game, certainly as the only healthy guy. If Cam Akers is going to play, though, ugh, yikes. But we're recording on Wednesday, so check the news. Um, the Browns just lost to the Jets, uh, but I would still stream their defense this week against the Mason Rudolph-led Steelers. Um, Browns coaches may say that Miles Garrett has moved past the game last year, but I think there's a non-zero chance that he's motivated enough to set the single-game uh, single sack record against him this week. Yeah, absolutely. He's going to play mad, I bet. Um, Kirk Cousins is by far my favorite streamer this week. Uh, Tom Brady just put up 348 passing yards and four touchdowns in the first half last week against the Lions. Uh, so Cousins is going to light them up if he's on waivers and you need a streamer. Uh, again, for somebody that lost Mahomes or somebody else, fire him up. He's going to be great. Or if you need a streamer and want to live as dangerously as I am in one of my DFS lineups this week, um, you could start Wake Forest alum John Wolford. Go Deeks! He's mobile. <laughs> Mina Kimes is high on him, and he's playing a Cardinals defense that just gave up three touchdowns to fellow backup quarterback C.J. Beathard. Um, I would start an undrafted John Wolford who has never thrown an NFL pass over Tua in a two-quarterback league in a heartbeat this week. But would you start him over Ryan Fitzpatrick? Probably because he's guaranteed <laughs> to actually throw a pass in this game. Yeah, I, I think that's a good call. Uh, the last one here, uh, Mike Davis and Christian McCaffrey are all of a sudden both expected to be out on Sunday. Nick, as our resident Panthers fan, who the heck is their third running back? Um, so my guess is Rodney Smith, um, although if he's who you're turning to in your championship week. Um, the correct answer is um, Christian McCaffrey with your number one overall pick next year. <laughs> um, so he Smith has been worked in a little bit already and has looked fine. Um, a little bit of burst. He's a little bit more of a prototypical running back than Trenton Cannon or Alex Arma. Um, Arma, they've been kind of weirdly obsessed with giving some short yardage touches so I wouldn't be super shocked if maybe they work him in a little bit more but yeah I think that Smith is probably the guy um, okay not so, looking for that situation though. so that's a long way to say their third running back doesn't exist for fantasy uh don't chase that as the only dude there like we're chasing Malcolm Brown if he's the only dude there uh just don't touch the Panthers and it looks like they're down to their fifth left tackle. Uh-oh. Uh, start the Saints defense absolutely in this one. This has had some nice runs. Um, he, he has some pop, but uh, yeah, start the Saints defense. Please. <laughs> I'm sad to say it. Um, yeah, it happens. So that, that wraps up our speed round. So we're going to close with a little bit of housekeeping. So um, we have been a weekly show for the last month or so, um, but as we move out of the fantasy season, uh, we're planning to move to more of a monthly format until next year. 
Um, our next episode is coming out February 5th. I believe that's the Friday before the Super Bowl. Um, it sure is. Hoping to uh, talk about what we've learned um, in the playoffs up to this point and how we think it's going to affect next year's fantasy. Um, so yeah, uh, we won't be out here next week, but certainly still stay uh, subscribed and uh, we will talk to you here in a little over a month. So um, I'm Nick Luciano and you can follow me on Twitter at Nick Luciano. And I'm Elijah Motika and you can follow me on Twitter at Elijah Motika and be sure to rate and subscribe everywhere that you listen to podcasts. See you in February. When you try to set your lineup, but you don't know what to do, you can't make your mind up, need someone to turn to. We've got your back, we've got the stats, we'll help you block out all the haters. For fantasy football help, call 25 Yards Later. 25 Years Later Media. Audio recording and music by Elijah Motika.